Blog Talk Radio. With me today, I have a Brookings Institution fellow, John Hudak, who is a voice that we've used quite a bit on this issue. He's very poignant in his thought process about uh, guns. John, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me back. So, John, let's talk about New Zealand, I guess, and the Prime Minister and her actions. It's so different from the reaction here. Why is there such a polar opposite reaction with the government in New Zealand versus here, first of all? Well, first off, in New Zealand, you don't have a culture that in some areas is just constructed around guns. And it doesn't, uh, in New Zealand, create that sort of scenario that we have here in the United States where there's this idea of an entitlement to any type of weapon in any type of circumstance under any type of circumstances. And I think because of that, it creates this uh, greater shock and this greater call for some kind of solution and a meaningful call for a solution that we just don't have here. Hmm. So the right to bear arms is not uh, something that um, is is a call to action there like it is here. You know, the Second Amendment here, they don't have that there. Exactly. You know, there's this um, near obsession in the United States, um, at least among some, over uh, this, this right and that this idea that the right um, cannot be checked. You know, in this country, we have expectations that the First Amendment, um, right to free speech and peaceful assembly, um, it, that there are limits on that. We understand that there are limits on a variety of rights that we have. But for some, and, and culturally driven by organizations like the NRA, that there is this idea that any infringement, any check, any limitation on an unlimited right to bear arms uh, is this uh, almost uh, intervention with the divine. This is coming between the right that God has granted you uh, and your ability to exercise it. That doesn't exist that way in New Zealand. Well, tell me this. So New Zealand is not alone. Um, You have other countries uh, around the world who don't really uh, have this gun issue. Could you talk to us about some of the other countries that, um, you know, they, they, I guess they, because I I think I was in Switzerland. I know it was in Switzerland. You know, they were talking about when, you know, they have guns, but it's no big uh, call to action, as you say. And, and, And it's meant, the guns are meant in case, basically, of some kind of war or unrest. Is that true? You know, the different uh, expectations and different beliefs around guns vary from uh, place to place around the world. There are certainly places that uh, see the ownership of guns as something used primarily for sport. Um, There are certainly areas, both both peaceful places and uh, war-torn places, where um, the understanding of guns is for uh, serious personal protection, whether that's from an invading army, whether it's from civil unrest or what have you. Um, But generally, around the world, uh, guns are rare. Um, They are not expected to be part of uh, common society, and there is an expectation that they are used for Uh, proper purposes by proper professionals. That isn't the case in the United States, but around the world, that tends to be more the case. So, in the United States, there was just recently um, a a bill 
that passed in the House, which people were surprised. Talk to me about that. Um, you know, we haven't seen gun control legislation. What does that do in a long time? I mean, you know, we, we continue to talk about gun control, gun control, but there has been some, some kind of curb uh, on guns, uh, assault weapons recently. Talk to me about that. The um, legislation that passed the House, H.R. 8, um, was an expansion of background checks for transactions around guns. It tries to close off loopholes over, over who is subject to a background check given the nature of the transaction. So it extends those background checks uh, to private transactions, for instance, online transactions, um, sales at gun shows, and, and that is an important way uh, to close off avenues that individuals might have uh, to accessing guns uh, when they should not be. Now, it's, of course, not to say that H.R. 8 solves the challenges uh, that exist in this country. There are plenty of people who commit crimes, either large-scale shootings or what is, uh, you know, the, the type of violence that claims far more lives in the United States, and that's interpersonal violence, especially domestic violence involving a gun. Um, they purchase those in legal ways. But what HRA tries to do is tries to close off avenues, tries to stop people from having certain means of access without claiming to solve the entire gun violence problem in uh, the country. And universal background checks are something that are nearly universally supported among the American public. Well, this has been an issue for a very long time because... I was hearing uh, these issues as it relates to uh, the gun shows and things of that nature. Um, how big is this loophole issue? You know, the loophole issue is uh, significant. Uh, there are uh, quite a few guns that are purchased at uh, gun shows. Uh, there are a lot of other types of private transactions for firearms. And the problem is not simply who is purchasing the gun, but the purpose for which they are purchasing the gun. Uh, when you're not having background checks, uh, you can allow um, a variety of people who either want to use firearms directly um, or who want to then peddle firearms illegally uh, to do so. And I think in our society, people who want to commit gun violence are going to find ways to commit gun violence. and. Uh, Simply having background checks is not a solution. But any way that we can make it harder for individuals who want to commit acts of violence to do so gives police more time to uh, find them. It gives family members or friends more time to, uh, you know, call the police and say, I, I think I, ha I know someone who's looking to commit an act of violence. Uh, and while we have a gun violence epidemic in the United States, um, I think one of the uh, understated uh, actions that happens here are people preventing gun violence because they are seeing online or they're listening within their family what people are talking about. And when you have people like that, if you have one extra day or two extra days to prevent that, that can be a good thing. Hmm. So as it relates to the gun situation and the legislation that just happened, um, do you expect the Senate to pass it and the president could possibly, if it does, the president could have a second veto, correct? Uh, I do not think the Senate is going to pass this legislation. Um, anything that uh, has to do with a uh, the uh, gun.
people in this country uh, is something that the Republican Party is allergic to. Uh, I don't see Mitch McConnell bringing something up for a vote, particularly um, as he enters re-election uh, next year in Kentucky. Uh, this is something that is likely dead on arrival in the Senate, even if it could get a majority of support within the Senate. Hmm. Wow. So at the, at the end of the day, where are we um, with this president, the NRA, and the Republicans on the Hill as it relates to gun control? Well, this president Republic, and Republicans on the um, Hill are wholly owned subsidiaries of the NRA. It's as simple as that. What the NRA wants, um, this president and uh, this Republican Senate and other Republicans in Congress will do. Um, the threat that Republicans perceive the NRA playing uh, in Republican Party politics is too overwhelming to allow Republican uh, representatives to respond to the public will. What happened to that debate? You know, after we the Parkland issue, what happened to that that debate about teachers in the schoolhouse carrying guns? I mean, that is just you can't police with that. You can't. It's just a crazy thing. Where are we with that 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 proposal? That proposal is dead in the water as well. You know, I think um, we expect a lot out of our teachers. Um, we don't pay our teachers enough. We expect teachers to educate and babysit and discipline and be psychologists and social workers and do a lot of things uh, without having the respect in some places even to pay them a living wage. But when we then ask them... i 
And good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show. It is L.A. Bachelor. We thank you for joining us this evening, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. We, uh, if The chat room is open, uh, and you can also hit us up at Pad Nation at Facebook or on Pad Nation at uh, Pad Nation 2 at Twitter and uh, Instagram at L.A. Bachelor. Uh, anywhere you can uh, find those, you'll find us. I want to bring in my guest, of course, always good to have him on, a media personality, motivational speaker, uh, and community activist uh, in Flint, Michigan, still dealing with not only the Flint water crisis, but also um, the Poor People's Campaign and other things and, and, and kidnappings and everything else going up in there in Michigan. Here's Dr. Lee Bell. And, Doc, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Well, L.A., thank you for the invite. It's always nice to be hanging out in the bachelor pad. Doc, I don't, this is, listen, this this story about the kidnapping with this right-wing Wolverine or whatever they call themselves, uh, kidnapping or trying to kidnap your governor there, Whitmer, uh, it, it shouldn't be surprised to us. Mainstream media makes it out to be this astonishing uh, story. But you and I have been talking about these right-wing folks in the age of Obama and beyond for that amount of time. Uh, so talk about if, if people aren't familiar because you're in, in the state, just kind of lay out what they try to do, who they are, who they're affiliated with, and why it was thwarted, pretty much. Well, L.A., the headlines read that militia members plotted to overthrow the Michigan state government, storm the state capitol, and take hostages, in addition to kidnapping the sitting governor, Gretchen Whitmer, and whisk her off to Wisconsin, where they would put her on trial for treason and then kill her. The militia group in question, they call themselves the Wolverine Watchmen. They had accomplices in Wisconsin. I believe a couple of people, or at least a gentleman, was from your neck of the woods, North Carolina. It was a very comprehensive plan. There was actually surveillance of the governor's vacation home. The authorities, the learning of this plot, has moved the governor and her family several times to keep them safe. The individuals involved in this conspiracy, it was 13 people who have been charged or 13 who are awaiting charges. They uh, have been at the Capitol before protesting as armed I say the term loosely, citizens, protesting Governor Whitmer's emergency mandates 
that were put in place due to the coronavirus. Mandates such as no work for certain individuals, no recreation for certain individuals in certain parts of the state, all in hopes of keeping people from the COVID-19 virus. In addition to the Wolverine Watchmen, as they not only protested outside the state capitol previous this conspiracy with rifles, AR-15s, assault weapons, and the like, they stormed the state capitol fully loaded and locked, scaring many members of the Michigan legislature. But ironically, some of the Republican legislators joined these armed individuals outside the Capitol for a rally. Shortly after that, many of the legislators started wearing bulletproof vests to work. The scenario encapsulated you know uh, it, doc you you pointed it out and it, it's a couple of things that really concern me with with this um uh, the first one is some would say and you know i'm just gonna be real with you doc some would say uh, you, first of all you don't want to see anybody get uh Abducted. Certainly not the governor of your state, which we haven't seen that. I'll get to what the similarities are. Um, but some would say, had she and some people enforced the laws and and be strict with these people when it came to virus. Remember, they went, like you said, to the state capitol. They got guns and all this. Um, I don't know all the laws in Michigan, but some would say if Governor Whitmer would have been a little more forceful. And in, and and you know enforce certain things. They may have tried to do what they were doing, but maybe you she cuts them off at the path, if you will. You what, what's your thoughts on that? Because we we talked about this, Doc. Like, you know, they, why are you letting them walk around like that? Why are you not enforcing the, the mask rule and everything else that's going on? Um, what about that? If she had been a little more forceful. Um, it could have still happened, but we just don't know. You're right, L.A. Uh, sh- her showing force may have prevented this scenario. We don't know. But if the state police who guard the Capitol had stopped these individuals in the very beginning, I think things may not have gone the way they did. And what I mean by this is, number one, when the governor marched during the coronavirus pandemic, she put orders in place that you must wear masks, you must be socially distanced, 
And during these rallies and protesting, there was none of that. As a matter of fact, the protesters were actually up in the face, spitting and spewing rhetoric in the faces, faces, faces of the state police, which we know that... So I guess, too... I guess do I didn't mean to cut you off, Doc, but I guess uh, just to rephrase it, then if if the state police, which I guess that essentially what you're saying, should have done something, aren't they under her authority? That if she had told them to do the job, or do is it something segmented? Well, you would think that they are under her command ultimately, but. These are trained law enforcement officials who, number one, should know the law. And if those protesters were black people, the scenario would have totally been different. But we do also know that some of law enforcement are friends of militia members. Some of them may even be militia members. You you bring up a great point because um, I'm sure you saw the video of the um, sheriff, I believe. Yeah. Uh, correct yes. me when I do the story where he he basically said, "Well, you know, um, they're just exercising their rights, and they they are innocent to proven guilty." He went on and on. Um, and he and they they focused on him because he was seen with pictures with the guys and and all of that thing. That's a scary thought, though, uh, Doc. Uh, and th- the fact that he's already basically trying to embed some form of excuse for these crazies, and well, and he's an right. officer. It, has he been has he been uh, terminated? Do we know at all? No, he has not if we're talking about the same sheriff because there have been law enforcement officials participating in the rallies. Now, my question, because I did not see the video, my question is, was he at the rally in his uniform? I don't know, but I know he was at the rally, and and me, that's something within itself. How could he be partial? How does he have a job? Like, how do you, how do you make excuses for someone who wants to abduct the governor of Michigan? It makes absolute no sense, other than the fact that there, um, this is not only white privilege, Doctor Bell, um, but this is where I think I hope I'm wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. That November fourth is going to be. That this is where we're going. You're going to see these Wolverines and all they call themselves. That, that We're going to see a lot of that across the country, Doc. Yes, in L.A., this to me brings a parallel to the Breonna Taylor case. And the situation that resulted in the death of Breonna Taylor, you had three main officers on scene. One of the officers broke, which means he went rogue. He left his post. When he started shooting, 
into Brianna Taylor's home, those bullets ended up in a different apartment. My question is, why was he, number one, not charged with, with Brianna Taylor's death? But when he left rank, he put those other officers in jeopardy. As a matter of fact, he could have shot the officer that got shot. So not only were there no charges for Brianna's death, but they did not charge him for putting the other officers' lives in jeopardy. And and in the meantime, the main perpetrator of George Floyd walks free. We'll talk about that. You know, we have time. Uh, talking with uh, Dr. Lee Bell on the Bachelor News Radio Show and the Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM, our our friends there in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Dr. Bell, the second part of the disturbing part of this story. Thank God for a political FBI people who are going to do their job, regardless of uh, the man occupying the White House. Um, and we'll talk about infiltration. Uh, but this sounds like Al-Qaeda. They were going to kidnap this woman, put her on trial, and, uh, of course, convict her. Those, the, the ones who want to kill do that, and they behead people. And that brings me back to what people are not taking this serious enough. This group of people that are spread out in this network, and they're friends of some of these. I'm not even going to give the, the, the courtesy of naming some of these groups, but you can look up white supremacist folks, and you'll find it. Um, they would have beheaded her. You would assume, or definitely killed her. Number one, and then then part two of that, Doc, if you can elaborate on, part two of that is they're so quick. Listen, I don't play favorites. Antifa is not a group. Antifa, if anything, are um, anti-supremacy or uh, anti-right. So you don't – so when people try to go, well, what about Antifa – the FBI, they're, they're the ones, and people go fake news, maybe FBI, if you don't believe it, then that's fine. The FBI didn't put them on the wanted list. The FBI has these different supremacists, these white supremacist groups up there. So, again, deflection, and Doc, is not just the deflection of those on the right and those who love the guy occupying the White House and those who want to be racist, but it's also some of us that either are afraid to talk about the real truth um, or misguided in this situation? Without a doubt, L.A., you bring a very important element to this discussion. I don't know whether or not you've heard the term Mississippi. Absolutely. Absolutely. And basically that term exists because many of the residents here in Michigan have come from the South and they have transported their racist attitudes 
to the state of Michigan. Not too long ago, the Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard resided here in a place called Howell, Michigan. And if you were driving along a certain highway and you got to that town, there were three very large crosses, very large crosses visible. And then speak to the whole um, similarities uh, of of abduction, um, trial, found guilty, and execution as they were planning to do as it relates to al-Qaeda or any of those type of groups. Well, L.A., you really have to wrap your mind around this entire scenario. I know the governor has two daughters, and by the FBI and law enforcement moving the family several times, more than just the governor was at peril. They were talking about transporting her across state lines. Individuals outside of Michigan participated in some of these surveillance activities. While this plot was in the making, they were still actively recruiting others. And we know that there's a broad network of militias all across this country. Now, a question I have is, what does it mean for them to attempt to invoke a civil war? That was one of their aims. That that sounds like, uh, I mean, you can go back to the 60s, Doc, with Charles Manson, Helter Skelter. We know what that was. Kill some white folks and then, you know, blame it on blacks and then have this whole, this, this civil race war. That's what it sounds like to me. And this wasn't just a lightly thought about plan. All of the logistics were in place. They had been training. They had been running exercises, trying to perfect their scheme. They were so brazen that they were using Facebook to recruit others to become a part of this scheme. It's ironic that just last week, L.A., the Michigan legislator voted down criminalizing bringing guns into the state capitol. That's just that, and that just fed right into it, Doc. Um, You know, the other thing, the other part of this is... um, If people don't believe that the orange orangutan in the White House that's occupying it has, and his his rhetoric doesn't have anything to do with this, then I can sell them the Brooklyn Bridge. He has not laid down a gun and shot anybody, although he said he can be on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and get away with it. Um, But his rhetoric 
definitely leads to these people to stand by and and stand aside or whatever he said. And even the the governor uh, of of Michigan said that you know uh, his his words matter to these extremists. And and not only that too, Doc. You can also speak to the fact that this another scary thought. We're going backwards. Another scary thought is some of those not only go across state lines, like you said, mentioned one, some folks here in North Carolina, but they're also sheriffs and people of power. So if they're in the mix of that, this just sounds like Billy Bob back in the South, that was a sheriff or judge or owned a store or has some uh, some resemblance of power that put on the same mask and burn crosses. We're going backwards. Boss. If they're going Boss. to be in the midst of us, it's the same thing. Boss Hogg. You know, L.A., some of these individuals also had ties to the military. Right. You, you you said something and it provoked a thought and I have lost that particular thought. It will come back to me. Well, it just oh. just think about that uh, too, Doc. Uh, I know it came back to you. If they have ties to the military, that means they're sharpshooters. They've been trained. I mean, it's just a deadly thing. I don't think anybody's really thinking about. Right, explosive experts. They know other individuals like-minded across the country. The remark I was going to make, Reverend Al Sharpton today said, if we look at everything that's going on around us, we should not have to beg and plead people to get out and vote. In early April, Donald Trump, coined the phrase, liberate Michigan, which could be a starting call to action for these militia men. He's had an ongoing political battle with Governor Whitmer, referring to her as that woman from Michigan. Right. And mind you, she was trying to keep Michigan safe during this pandemic. And another connection this has to the White House. These individuals who do not want to follow the recommendations and mandates in some instances to wear masks, but they also don't want women to have a say-so over their bodies. I want the freedom to not wear my mask, but I don't want women to have freedom with their own bodies. There is a web that is being weaved right before our eyes 
the Republicans are trying to get Joe Biden to talk about the packing of the courts. Who has been packing the courts ever since Trump has been in office? Who blocked over 140 appointments to the bench from President Obama? There is a a web that is being weaved around us. People wake up. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I, I think that this has been stacked. It's just like when they say that if um, uh, a Caucasian person says, "Well, you know, you only voted for Obama because he's black," and I'll say, "Well, look at the other examples that you have. What's your point? I mean, what what did you do? You you voted because the dude was white, right? So what what do you? What's your point?" Like welcome to the party, and so it, that's the that's the hypocrisy of those type of conversations, Doc. In my opinion, without a doubt, and I believe that everything we're seeing is a hail mary move on the part of some white folk to maintain white privilege. And the poor white people caught up in it as victims. And they, they have to be the most confused people of, of voters. I, I don't get it. It, it, it. Everything is like right in front of you. The man has never sweat anything, paycheck or anything. He is not one of you. I don't get why they don't get that. Why don't you get the fact he's not poor? He's never been in the hood and been on food stamps or anything. He comes from money. He blew his father's money, but he comes from money. He is not one of you at all. And they don't LA, get it, Doc. I just don't it's it's bizarre to me. He may not have been in the hood, but he has been under a hood. That that's true. <laughs> Him and his father. You got that right. But but Doc, it doesn't make any sense though. I mean outside of you you take those that are going to vote for him because he's speaking their language and you can leave it. You take it for what it is. He's speaking that, you know, I don't like, you know, look at my African-American friends. Uh, I only want Jews to count my money. Um, let me discriminate in housing against blacks. Um, all the African, go, all the African countries are shitholes. Go back to where you come from. All of this is right in front of you. So we already know what he is. Um, so th- th- that portion of, of white folks are going to be down with him. It's the ones that think that he, because he's speaking tough, that he's one of them. He's never going to be that. He cares about, he's a narcissist. He cares about himself, period. Nobody else. And I don't understand, Doc, why they just don't get it. Well, a lot of the low wealth white folk operate through a lens of race. Now, race is very prevalent, but all isms stem from racism, sexism, classism, ageism. They all emanate from the granddaddy of the isms, which is racism. 
So with these so-called leaders, what they're doing, they're operating in a manner that separates folks by race and class. It's a double bonus round for them. And they use the lens of racism as a divider. And when they get a certain amount of division using race, then class clicks in. And then that's when the low-wealth people say, we've been bamboozled, and it's too late then. Well, I'm going to say this, um, uh, and I believe this, and people don't have to to believe. Um, If he's not in somebody's prison, he's going to ride off in the sunset. And everybody that supported them is going to have hell to pay. And and every all of them have blood on their hands. If 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 this su- Supreme Court justice gets her way and she doesn't recuse herself for the Affordable Health Care Act, that's what it's called, um, white people. It's not the Obamacare. He said it, I know, but it's actually helping you, by the way, and your state. If If he gets away with that, he walks away. You know, I think some of his, you know, folks that want to bail on a Michael Collins and all them now, I wouldn't read their books because you now you want to come because you were facing prison time. Now you want to have a, a come to Jesus moment. But the the point is, is that there's going to be hell to pay, Doc. And I don't see. Um, I don't know if I say, would say I don't see a Republican Party, but what I do see is the scraps that someone's going to have to pick up. It, it's okay to disagree, but I can't get past, and I keep telling people, even black folks who think that he's doing something good, which he's not, you can't get past the rhetoric. If the dude is calling you a, a, the N-word and everything else, I can't see any policies, even if he had, which we know he doesn't. Even if he had some, Doc, I can't see it. So if I can't see it, then obviously... Um, those who don't look like me won't see it, but they want to support it. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's going to be hell to pay for a lot of people that look like him. Mr. Magoo, a.k.a. Mitch McConnell, and all of those folks that that followed this man, he's going to be sitting on a a beach somewhere, right, laughing, made all the money, and they just going to be scrambling. Stupid. L.A., here in Michigan, we have a senatorial race pitting a black Republican against Senator Gary Peters. Right. Mr. John James states in his campaign ads he supports Trump 2,000%. And he's running ads. He's running ads talking about doing away with the Affordable Care Act. And let me add that the Affordable Care Act is actually called the Affordable Care Act and Patient Protection. This is a bad time to be without health care in the midst of a pandemic. There are many stories of people who have come down with this virus 
and it lingers and it lingers and it lingers. A friend of mine, actress Melissa Milano, you can probably find it on YouTube during a recent visit on The View, talking about the long journey that has not finished running its course yet. She had the virus two or three months ago. And there are many other stories. You don't get the virus and get well. If you're lucky enough not to die, this virus sucks the life out of you. And if the Affordable Care Act is taken away, it will suck your bank account dry as well. And again, go ahead. I'm going to break a new term here on the Bachelor Pad News Network. It's called Blovit. That's the term for the black folks who were at the White House on Saturday that will contract this disease. We're keeping a watch on how many of them come down with the COVID-19 virus. Blovit. And, and you know what, Doc? It's really uh, the powers that be, including this narcissist occupying the White House, um, they crunch the numbers. Uh, and it's not just him. It's, it's people like your black Republican in Michigan and, and others, they crunch the numbers. Okay, they, what they say is, and you know sports is a microcosm of it, they say it's 300 million-plus people in this country. Okay, 200,000 is just a drop in the bucket. What is that, 1%? You know, that's that's the mentality, Doc. I've heard them say it, but we got to keep, you know, it's too, I know it's, I know they're dying, but we got to keep the economy going. And it just, I know, you know, and what do you say to those families? Not just the ones that died, but the ones who got infected, seven and a half million or whatever it is here in this country alone. And there, there's no empathy. There's no sympathy. There's no humanity in that at all. And at the end of the day, Doc, um, this country is going to suffer, but also, as I mentioned to you, there is going to be a reckoning coming. And I just pray, Doc, that we get through it because it's going to be a mess. If if people are saying, if, if these so-called leaders are saying, well, it's 300 million, that, that's the mentality, it's 300 million, 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, that's, you know, 1%. One and a half percent. We can deal with that. Like they're animals. Like it, it's it's nothing to it. And there's a reckoning coming. And I just hope I don't even know what this country's going to look like um, at the end of the day. Not just the, the the voting, not just the elections, but when the virus goes away at some point, which it hasn't, by the way, folks. In L.A., I am of the mind. that black people are not dying from the coronavirus. 
black people are dying from overwhelming medical conditions exacerbated by the virus. The coronavirus is a variable. The overwhelming health conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, and I could go on, kidney disease. That's where the work needs to start. Let's get a handle on these diseases, these diseases that affect our communities on a daily basis. As long as we keep saying underlying conditions, we minimize or we attempt to minimize the severity of what's going on in our communities. These overwhelming... These overwhelming health conditions are also made worse because of our race. Can you you imagine the stress that's going on in black and brown communities? We have these overwhelming health conditions. We have a pandemic going on. Here in Flint, we're still suffering from the Flint water crisis. In Detroit, Michigan, they're suffering because their water is being turned off. They can't afford water. We can go anywhere in the United States and find that black and brown people are being more severely affected by not only politics, but everyday life. So you you gave the numbers of the people who have died a quick death due to the pandemic, due to the virus. But how many of us are dying slow death because these overwhelming health conditions are not being looked at seriously. We can talk about asthma, which is a manifestation of environmental racism. Power plants, gasoline fumes from the expressways in our communities. Our political leaders have to do a better job. Much of what Donald Trump and his minions are doing is bait and switch. Instead of looking at quality of life issues that are before us every day, we're dealing with the shenanigans of this clown. And his associates. Whoops, I dropped the mic, L.A. Yeah, it's really, Doc, it's really, um, sorry about that, it's really, um, really sad 
that we have these conditions that we don't talk about and it's COVID-19. I understand. We understand how it affects people, but the, the, at the end of the day, um, that's the, the biggest concern we need to be worried about the diabetes and the, and the, the strokes and heart disease and all the things that affect uh, us um, much more than regular society. And LA, the low wealth white folk, are suffering as well. On our Poor People campaign calls, we have been listening to Kentucky residents who are suffering from many of the same maladies to a lesser degree than we are, but they're there. They're taxing on their lives. Yeah. Yep, and 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 that's really the the biggest concern, um, and, and that's why I said, even with this this election, I mean, you're gonna take the demon, you're gonna take the devil. I'm, I I have nothing against um, Mr. Biden personally, but we, you know, politics is personal, Doc, and politics has to be about what you're going to do in the interest of us, us can be our families but it could be our communities and our race and just at the you know at the end of the day uh we have to make sure that if we're going to vote for mr biden that we hold mr biden and miss harris accountable for our agenda and i go back to before you go i go back i see you mike before i go back to what i said the fact is that um when you look at People saying, well, you voted for uh, Obama because he's black. Well, that might be true. And even if it's not, so what? You've been doing it for hundred, you know, for, for decades, for 44 presidents or whatever the number is. So I don't want to hear that. If I decide to do it, then I have a right. Guess why? Because you've been doing it forever. That doesn't mean I, I agree with them. But, you know, welcome to the party. And that's and what that- I say all the time. And L.A., let's bring this conversation full circle. Many of the individuals who populate these militias are low-educated and low-wealth white folk. And that that's, brings it back to what I said. If the uneducated white folks, if they don't have the education, maybe they're not, you know, uh, working the job they want. He is not one of you, folks. He is not. He cares nothing about you. Like I said, black countries are shitholes. You know, he only wants Jews, that stereotype to count his money. He's already discriminated, discriminated against blacks. He held a, 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 a rally saying, look at my black African-American friend. I mean, just all the, I can go on and on. We could do a two-hour special on the things that he said. He cares nothing about poor whites or anybody else. He'd throw his kids under the bus if he had to. That so it's it's not even it's not even about that. Um, they got to get it, Doc. It, it, you know, I just like I said, I just pray what the you know whatever happens November third. That's not chaos. Um, and because if you got militia trying. <laughs> Militia trying to kidnap a governor of a state. What is the heck is going to happen 
come November 3rd. It's just, it's, it's bizarre and it's scary. Uh, and these are people who are police chiefs and everything else under the sun, Doc. So we'll see. I appreciate your time. That was going to be a dress rehearsal, L.A. Yep. Yep. The Wolverines. <laughs> right. Okay. So we'll see uh, what happens. Doc, as always, man, I appreciate you. God love you. Be 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 careful. Talk with you next week, sir. Okay, L.A., thanks for the invite. Thanks for the conversation, and thank you for your support. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, we'll make sure we uh, definitely um, promote uh, the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, uh, Dr. Lee Bell, he's a motivational speaker, media personality, community activist, not only dealing with COVID-19, but they still don't have clean water in Flint. They still don't have clean water. Nobody even cares about that. They're still struggling just to get clean water to live. Take a break on the Bastion News Radio Show. Great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Welcome back to the show. Thanks to all of our guests. We appreciate them. Don't forget that if you miss any part of this broadcast, you can go to our website, thebastardnews.airtime.pro, thebastardnews.airtime.pro. And the show airs on my website at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern time every day. So you can hear interviews with Dr. Bell, my next guest, uh, anytime, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. 8 a.m. And, and 3 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time. I want to go to the phone. Speaking of my guest, uh, of course, he is, writes for the three-point conversion. And, of course, he uh, also writes for the Nashville Voice and other media outlets. He is Mike uh, Patton. And, and uh, General, we appreciate you coming on, man. I hope all is well there in Tennessee for you. All is well. And, uh, you know, of course, we're one of the many states where, you know, stuff's surging again. But, you know, we're doing well. And, you know, we're going to have a, a, one of a, a doctor to talk about the infectious disease that did COVID-19 in a couple of days. Um, but I want to go to uh, the Jordan-LeBron situation already, right? But let me backtrack. So <laughs> we, we, we – but, but, Mike, we, we talked about, okay, because of COVID-19, that whoever won the title – some people said it would be an asterisk around their name that, okay, they only played X amount of games and they played in a bubble. And big ups to the NBA because they got it right. They they did it. The NHL uh, soccer leagues have done it where they put people in a bubble and they, they kept it down. We'll get to the the um, the plantation owners, uh, the, the NFL, and how they screwed this up. But it, here's LeBron with all the accolades, and they want to – criticizes this kid, right? 35. He's a kid to me. So he he does it right. He married his his, his girlfriend. So he's no, nothing out of wedlock, no kids out of wedlock. He sent his boys, his marketing people and business people to school, paid for college. He opened up a school. He's doing all. He's speaking out, which part of the problem. And he wins another title. And there's still, I see on Twitter and everything, well, he's not Jordan and this and that. Listen, I don't want him to be Jordan. In my opinion, Mike, Jordan doesn't speak out socially. He won't talk about racism. He throws money at it. And money's not the only thing that's going to help the situation. Money's fine, but you can't throw money at it and figure it out. I put him, Jordan, in the category of Shaq, who bought, you know, Papa John's Pizza. Papa John's that supports Trump, and I'm surprised he even said my, his name on my show, uh, or Charles Barkley, who's a buffoon, for the other side. LeBron James has done it the right way. And even after winning his fourth title, you know, three different teams, four MVPs, all of these things, they still uh-huh. want to criticize him, Mike. I don't get it. He's like a better version. He's like a richer version of A-Rod. You either like him or not. And I think it really boils down to because LeBron won't, like Laura Ingham told him, just shut up and play basketball. If it's something racially or socially wrong, he speaks out of them. And black and white people don't like him. They'll go right to Jordan in a minute. And it's just ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's just uh, it's it's it is what it is. Unfortunately, you know, uh, people are gonna do what they're gonna do. They're gonna do, and uh, in any circumstance, they're still gonna find a way to not like what uh, that person has done. But by the way, I would say probably this is one of the hardest championships ever won, to be honest. 
because of all the uh, even playing fields that were there, pretty much. Right, but it's a level playing field because nobody had any – there was no home court advantage, anything. They're all playing in the same arena in the same bubble. And the Lakers, which I'm not a Lakers fan, I'm a Sixer fan, so I hate the Lakers, but I'm happy for him um, that they they actually won. But, again, you get the sense that people want to push him up against Jordan when it's – first of all, it's not even the same comparison – and I would even um, say, Mike, that LeBron's career is better than Jordan's. He's done it with different teams. People can say, okay, you know, he went there and he went that in the big three. Jordan won his with the Bulls. People forget he was garbage with the Wizards. Um, but LeBron has set a lot of records, and he brought back a title to a – franchise who's now tied with the Celtics with the most, you know, titles, and he's done it the right way. Like, he's not in the midst of being great at 35 and doesn't seem like he's slowing down. He's still got the time to talk about Breonna Taylor and everything else. What's wrong with that? And what's wrong with that is it doesn't fit the agenda of a lot of people. A lot of people that uh, want him to just uh, follow this certain protocol and things like that. So that's the biggest issue to me is that people have uh, that don't like him other than um, people that want to romanticize Jordan, just like people romanticize Dr. J and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And the story goes on and on and on. It's just, uh, of course, the different generations want to romanticize and lift up different players from their generation and don't think, you know, God forbid somebody's better than somebody else in the next generation. And just to, to that point real quick, I was just telling somebody, I, I had a conversation with a, a, a very favorite cousin of mine. And we got into <laughs> Mike, we got into this argument, he did, about Jordan being the greatest. I said, listen, um, Jordan is the greatest I've ever seen, but I've never seen Will Chamberlain. So people who are older than me said Chamberlain was rather, or Russell, or Jerry West, or whoever, Elgin Baylor, the Lakers of the early 60s and 70s. And he's like, no, Jordan's the greatest. Based on what? He's he's the greatest we've seen in our lifetime. But I can't say that he's the greatest ever because I've never seen anybody. What's wrong with him being in the midst of the, the conversation? He got pissy about it. You just don't know, and I'm older, and I've been watching all this kind of stuff, Mike. Like, like what is that about? Okay, you 60-plus, and I'm 50, but I've been watching sports just like you. What's wrong with that? And I think, that to, to me, it, it's sort of a microcosm of how we they segregate us. Jordan's got to be over here. LeBron's got to be over here. They can't allow them just to be great. They're all great. Um, I, I don't Particularly, you know, full disclosure, as you know, you've known for years, I don't care for Jordan at all off the court, um, politically and socially. But he was a great player. I'm, I'm never going to take that away from him. But the, the thing is, is that you have us amongst ourselves in barbershops getting upset because I won't. And, and I, you know, I'm in North Carolina. So in North Carolina, if you're born... As a baby, especially if you're boy, well, not boy or girl, if you're born, you're born with a basketball in your hand. And here, they just think they own. Of course, we know that's not the truth. The Big East 
really <laughs> ran basketball. Kansas is where basketball started, but here in this state, they think they own the, the sport. You know, but that that's the kind of conversation, uh, Mike, that's going on. It's really ridiculous. <laughs> oh boy, 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 boy. <laughs> that's all I can say. It just it 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 it's uh. It's an interesting conversation every single time it comes around, and uh, you know, people just don't want to understand that you know, different people can be great. Not one person has to be the king or the, or the top of the hill. Different people are going to have different opinions, and you can agree to disagree. Right? Doesn't nobody have to have the same opinion? The, the funniest thing, the thing that I tell a lot of people sometimes, and people get mad at me for telling me this, is that. Kobe never had an, an era where he was like the guy. Right. To me. He never had an era coming well, that, Michael Jordan. That's sacrilegious. You can't LeBron. say nothing like that, Mike. <laughs> then you then you had Le, then you had LeBron come in and when Le, when Kobe wasn't winning when LeBron was still trying to figure it out. Once he figured it out, Kobe uh once Kobe figured it out, LeBron started figuring it out and he became the face of the league. Kobe was never really right. the face of the NBA. Right. What? And uh, uh, again, I rested in in peace. I, you know, I wasn't a Kobe. You know, anything Laker. I, I'm I'm trying to stretch and 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 congratulate LeBron. Uh, but uh, but you know, I digress. But let me ask you this: switch it to the NFL. We talked about how the NBA got it right. You know, obviously they had some people that got infected or whatever. But you got the 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 plantation, the National Football League, which is the plantation of all the sports especially pros that you and I had talked about this way before the season started somebody's going to get infected and it's going to be a disaster and they don't care and at the end of the day there's a there's a choice that these black players primarily have to make do I play for that 20 uh, million dollar you know 20,000 dollar let's just say signing bonus of a hundred that I'm just being on a lower end um, and get that money. Or do I take the chance of affecting my kids? Some of these guys got little infants and you and I are parents. So you get it. You, you don't want to affect your child. So at the end of the day, you know, and you and I had this conversation off the, the air texting back. I wouldn't do it. So now you got a Cam Newton who got infected. More players uh, that got infected with the Patriots, they postponed all these games to the point, uh, Mike, that they're running out of time. They can't play all the games. They're going to have to cut it out. And we knew this, yet the National Football League and their owners, and they are owners of these players, refuses to cut back like baseball did and the NBA and hockey and everybody did. They, they're determined to get these 16 in. Um, and it's going to take, I really believe, Mike, somebody has to die before they even consider closing or changing or adjusting this league. It's, to me, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that uh, they didn't give themselves time. They could have given themselves plenty of time. They could have adjusted the schedule. They had the most time of any league to adjust yep. their schedule, make those adjustments. They did not. So what ended up happening is essentially they uh, now are trying to scramble around. Like, for give me an example. This week they changed the Patriots game to uh, the Bills game they were going to play on, on Thursday to Sunday, right? 
So when they did right. that, they, they had to change around seven other games. They're not going to be able to do this every single week. They're just not right. going to be able to do this every single week. So, you know, eventually somebody's going to lose it. Somebody's going to lose a game or a forfeit or something's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Unfortunately, uh, the, NF- the NFL didn't take this very seriously. And it just shows they did not take it very seriously because they're, you know, they, they essentially didn't space out any weeks, didn't consider any type of bubble, anything. They just didn't do anything until they were pressed by the players, and especially Russell Wilson, who actually, you know, voiced the concern because, of course, Sierra just had a baby. He's not right. trying to bring that home. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, it just that's when it, 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 it even – you know, they even started doing anything. It's almost like they didn't do anything until that happened. And if you look like Sierra, you, you definitely don't want to pray like to anything home. I was just trying to make the point, talking with Mike Patton here on the uh, Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM, our sister station in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, Mike, with that being said, um we were talking with some other folks uh, in, in the previous show about, and I think we mentioned this about the the home field. Uh, but how do how does anyone, any of these players, or this staff, because you know you play ball, you got to get your reps in. Whether you're running back, you got to be corner, you got to be able to do all those things. How do you even adjust yourselves? You know, my Steelers have no more bye weeks. They got to go straight the rest of the, the, the rest of the way. How do you adjust uh, in this? And do you think the virus, do you think COVID-19 eventually is going to shut the NFL down? Uh, I don't think it's going to shut the NFL down. Here's why I say that. Um, the NFL is trying to get their bread. They're trying to get their duckets. They're trying to get whatever you want to call money. They're trying to get it. And, to me, they believe in that more than anything. They'll try to do whatever they can to get this season in. Uh, I think uh, in the end of the season, they're going to have to. Uh, they may, I think if it gets bad enough, they'll take a pause in the season, just like the uh, NBA did. But do I think they they postpone or do they think they cancel the season? No, postpone the season potentially. Yes, just depends on if it gets bad enough. Uh, and unfortunately, it has to get bad enough for them to even consider any kind of ultimate plan, which stinks. But and what about the fact that you know with with the the players, the the reps that you have to get in because it you know essentially I think if you don't have a preseason you you, you know you play ball there's uh, in shape and then there's football shape you don't get those reps then then you you can pull these hammies and said and I feel so bad for Dak Prescott that that was an accident. And God bless him. I hope it all works out for him. But you don't get those reps. You don't be able to get those things. You don't get the looks. You don't get the third and ones if you're running back. The third and ones, your wide receiver. Third and ones in practice if you're a corner. Get you know reacting to the ball. And I think not only is bad football. That's why you see all the scoring. No defense because the defense has to catch up. And I think it's dangerous for these guys. On top of the fact, like you said, going back to COVID nineteen that they're on the sideline, they, the adrenaline's pumping, they just scored or gave up something, they got no mask on. And all of that energy is going to be spreaded to someone else. All right. It just, to me, um, you know, 
but yeah, I would say yeah, you know, the preseason does have an effect on that, but I would say more so the preseason. Let's go even further back to the uh, off-season conditioning. You really couldn't, uh, you know, not even even the players that do this on their own, they really couldn't do the off-season conditioning the way they usually would do it, just because of the uh, the pandemic we were in. So that essentially, I think, affects a lot, affected a lot of things. So, yeah, that's why I'm, uh, you know, that's why in my mind uh, I'm thinking that not the the preseason had an effect, but before that, the other things had an effect, and that's why you see the lag in playing time, the lag in you know, defense, you see the uh, players uh, getting injured with the hamstrings, things like that. Those are going to come around when you're trying to push it too fast. Yeah, and and that's 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 the thing that you have. You have uh, people um, getting hurt. Um, just on the field, as it as it relates to um, what you've seen thus far, you still got some undefeated people. We won't talk about the broadcast uh, as of. Um, I mean the game um, as it relates to the broadcast that's coming up this evening. But what you've seen uh, on the field in terms of uh, surprises, um, not you know teams that you thought would be good, and disappointments. Give us some some uh, a few of those that you would would say. Uh, let's see, I'll start with the disappointments. I would say the uh, San Francisco 49ers are a disappointment. Uh, that's the team I, I follow, but uh, a lot of that is, of course, injuries, but a lot of that is just bad play. Just, you know, not doing some of the same things and uh, scheming up the same way. Uh, they're missing uh, the fourth partner, which is huge for them. So that's been disappointing. Uh, I would say another team that's a little bit disappointing, that uh, I would say the Minnesota Vikings. Especially after the game Sunday night, where they uh, <laughs> should have won the game, but the coach decides to go to an, go for it on fourth and one instead of kicking the field goal and going for the eight point lead. Not understandable. They're failing on all fronts in terms of playing and also the coaching. You know, when they play a good game, then they lose. It's it's pretty sad. But um, those two teams uh, have been disappointing. Of course, along with the Atlanta Falcons, they're they're definitely disappointing. You know, we we expected I expected Houston to be this bad, so they're not going to be on the disappointing list. I expected them to be bad. Um, as far as the surprising, I'll go with uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I did not expect them to be undefeated, and I'll go with uh, huh. Another team I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with the Raiders. The Raiders actually look a little better than when I thought they would look, especially after yesterday. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, um, I, I'll leave that alone. I'll recuse myself for that. But the Raiders, I don't. I think that, you know, anytime losses happen like that, as you know, Mike, you understand the game. Um, it, part of it is they're divisional rivals, and so uh, they, they see each other a lot. I think that was part of it. But big ups to them for beating Kansas City. But anytime they got Mahomes, anytime Kansas City got a healthy Mahomes, they're still the team to beat. They're plain and simple, at least in the AFC. Seattle's doing I'll well. Um, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give you this with uh, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The the the, the uh, Raiders showed the, the blueprint, and the Chargers showed the blueprint. Stop blitzing that man. You, if you can get pressure with four up front and drop people out and make them work the field, that helps the game right there. 
Secondly, running the football well helps the game, and you also have to be able to make big plays yourself on offense. There's plenty of teams in the NFL that can do those things. Now it's a matter of can they execute those plans. The problem is if they're on the schedule, and you got to if they're not on the schedule, Kansas City gonna run. They they're gonna go right to the AFC Championship game and probably back to the Super Bowl. We'll see. I'll, uh, I'll, go ahead. I'll, I'll say the Titans. The Titans, uh, I would say, have have the weapons to do that too. By the way. Well, if they can stop going outside of Tennessee, the uh, uh, practice place <laughs> and going to high school, infecting everybody and everything, making my Steelers have to play 13 straight weeks because of it, they'd be okay. They got they got a stud running back. We know that. Um, but stop. <laughs> 319 yards rushing. Wow. Already. <laughs> And stop <laughs> infecting people, though. I mean, they, you know, what are they doing over there? I don't, you know, and I don't even, I don't think, t- Matt, um, uh, Mike, that they came out with those players that were outside of the facility. Did did they say who they were? I don't remember. They didn't say who they were, but uh, from what I heard, uh, Ryan Tannehill was in that group. Of oh, my God. And he should know yeah. better. As a leader, at least, he shouldn't be doing that. He wasn't, he wasn't the, only, the only leader of that team out there, apparently. Wow. I'll, I'll tell you that. Wow. Well, we'll talk off air about that. Before you go, let people know how they can follow you and reach out and, and, and read all of your uh, your, your articles. All right, you can reach me at uh, the National Voice, nationalvoice.com. Uh, kind of working on a few things there. Working on a prostate cancer awareness story um, coming up next, and uh, you know, definitely you can catch my a little bit of Titans coverage I've got I've done there. Also, three point conversion, you can catch uh, a little bit of Titans coverage there. And also, I wrote an article on how the hardest uh, the the the, the uh, bubble championship is the hardest championship ever. About why? So. Yeah, wow. you can catch me there at threepointconversion.com. Of course, Twitter, you can catch me at MikePatton82. And, uh, of course, on uh, Instagram, you can catch me at the underscore general underscore MP. Well, it's it's a pleasure always to have you on, man, and you be well and be safe. You and your family, as always, will get you on uh, next week. Thank you, my friend. Yes, sir. Mike Patton, always good to have him on Three Point Conversion, Nashville Voice, and other media outlets. Always good to have him on and makes a great point in terms of COVID-19. Also makes a point about LeBron James and people forcing this sort of comparison with Michael Jordan. We're going to uh, take a break, come back. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. We'll continue with COVID-19 and some other stuff. The passing of uh, Joe Morgan. Uh, we'll talk about that, too, on the Bassett News Radio show on the Bassett News Radio Network, WCOM and Carborough, North Carolina. Stay tuned. <laughs>
melodic tune. I get hypnotic with the moon, but you got to put me down soon. I flip a slot show if you come my way. Up, down, and around, even sideways. I'm about as ready as the light can get. We can go all out. I ain't afraid of the sweat, but yet. I bet you got the techniques to freak a girl inside out. What's that all about? Can I have some of that? You gotta put me on. Word around town is your nine men strong. I'm gonna be put on in the worst way. Since the first day, I think it was the Thursday. You be that brother that I wanna sink my teeth in. Make me wanna ask, where the hell you been? I like the way you be with all that personality. But I got flavor too. You need to get with me. Thank you for joining us. Six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. The number to get in touch with us. Press one to get on the line. Um, and uh, keep in mind at the top of the hour, wherever you're living in uh, whatever uh, time zone, uh, at the top of the hour you'll lose the live feed, so you have to dial in at that 
number. And don't forget, if you miss any part of the broadcast, you can go to our website at thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelorwithat.airtime.pro. Want to uh, bring in uh, my good friend, longtime uh, friend and colleague. Uh, he is the editor of uh, Black BASN Newsroom. Uh, he is Tony T. Matt McLean. And Tony, uh, um, good evening. And I, you know, you you've mentioned 2020 being one of the bad years. Um, it certainly has in terms of the passings that we've had. In particular, baseball. Um, another one in Joe Morgan. Uh, just, I, I, I'm almost afraid. I, I, I'm almost at the point now where I'm afraid. Where when I see somebody talking about breaking news, because it's like, oh no, somebody died, and and literally, uh, what I heard, I, I, I was actually. Uh, on my break at work and I got a news thing and it said, you know, Joe Morgan passed at 77. I was like, I was like, I don't want, you know, I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost at the point where I'm turning off all my sports alerts. Cause I just, I can't, you know, I'm like, can't do it. Can't take it anymore. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. It, it, it seems to be, um, so many, I, I want you to um, hold that thought, and I want to bring um, Gerald Hoover in. He's the uh, uh, owner of Pure, Pure Sports in uh, New York, and, of course, he's a best-selling author of children's books, uh, he- the Hero Series, and and we'll, we'll give that information out there, too. Uh, and, Hoover, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on, as always, sir, and I hope all is well with you and your family yeah. up, up top. Yeah, always well, my friend. Oh, and don't forget, it's the Halo book series. Series yeah, book yeah. book series. I, I yeah. do apologize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you Google it, you, you got to put the Halo book series so that people will see it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Um, I, you know, you you covered other sports. Just, just real quick, if you could just touch on the passing of Joe Morgan. We just had a Bob Gibson. Uh, we had Tom Seaver. You you know you're a New Yorker. You know about this, them. I know you Yankee guy. I mean, but but Joe Joe Morgan Joe Morgan Joe Morgan was to me the greatest player um, under five nine. And he was also to me, in my opinion, and I love Pete Rose. I think he should be an all fan. I think he was the best player on that big red machine. I do. He, you know what? I tell you what, my friend. If he wasn't the best player, he was probably the most clutch. He stayed hot. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was a little, I was a little guy when they was the big red machine. But I was about ten, eleven years old. But I still remember how they went, went rough shot against the Yankees in uh, what seventy six. And oh, it, made, uh, it, it made it made uh, uh, Steinbrenner go and get Reggie from um, Baltimore, and because uh, because he was the A's first, and he was then he went to the uh, Baltimore uh, uh, Orioles. We, we right. needed them. The Yankees needed them because they they were a juggernaut. To, to, I mean, remember back in those days, it was them and the Dodgers going at it. You know, it was them too. It was like 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 Monday Night Baseball and uh, and uh, the two the, the I think I think NBC Baseball on Saturday. You always had the Cubs. That Cubs, you always had the Reds against against the Dodgers. They, they was just crazy, man. But like I said, he was probably if he wasn't the best LA, he was the hottest. 
because he was caught like 95% of the time. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he had that little hitch in the swing, like, like a little jerk, like a little chicken wing thing, and he would just go top side on you. And you saying 5'9", I don't think he was 5'7". I think he was 5'7". I, I really I think yeah, he was about 5'7", yeah, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. really short. He, he, he was a little guy, man. I mean, I mean a little guy. And, and, and um, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, I mean, you, oh, we lost Whitey Ford, Lou Brock. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, you mentioned Seaver. I mean, baseball 2020 has just been a year of, um, I mean, you know, I, 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 I heard Anthony saying about, um, uh, about not wanting to look at breaking news. I mean, you, yeah, you're right. You're looking at ESPN, <laughs> you see a little red box come up, man, you want to turn your head. It's almost like, what happened? You know, what now? And, and um, this year has been a year for the books, man, I tell you. It's, it's, it's yeah. been a year for the books. And I'm I'm gonna say the greatness uh, of of uh, of Joe Morgan, who, by the way, folks, people don't know how great of a broadcaster he was. It, it, yeah, I, I'm just, it's so much. The guy was so good at calling his baseball. Voice, his voice was just, it was, just um, yes, his yes. Voice, his voice was. You know, you know, it's funny. If you didn't know him, I mean, you know, I'm excited to know because I, I was a fan, but. If you didn't know him as far as his stature or anything like that, I kid you not, with the way his voice, he had that Colt 45 voice, you would think that he was like, I'm serious, you would think he was about 6'5", you know what I mean, like a big guy, you know what I mean, and, and I'm not trying to minimize his, his height or anything like that, but he had that, that voice that was like, it was sharp, it was crisp, and, you know, when he was at Bill Miller, uh, you know, out in Baltimore, I liked him a lot with him. Both yeah, voices, and then those two voices together, man, was just was was epic, man. Right, and the fact is, uh, to 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 your point, he had that Billy D. Williams thing going on. But um, it, I can't think of anybody better. People talk about Phil Rizzuto and you know his career, and then he did the Yankees forever. And but I can't he think of anybody better. Yeah. yeah, right. I can't think of anybody better as an analyst than Joe Morgan. Yeah. On yeah, top of him being the, the great, the great player that he was, you know, it, yeah, it's just. Well, to, to your point, Phil Zuno, I, I grew up on Phil Zuno. He was more shtick, you know. I, 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 there was absolutely no analytical stuff coming out of Phil Zuno. Right, was, right. I, I mean, but, but I'm, I'm not gonna lie. He was a joy listen. He, if you took, if, if, if the Yankees would try to fire Phil. I think they might try it once or twice. It, it, it didn't go well. <laughs> I mean, right, and like, I guess the di- the difference is huh? Right, it, the difference is you know Rizzuto was definitely Yankee, you know, yeah, uh, but like 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 Hawk like Carl Carlson and those guys. He, you know, he a homer. Uh, you know, Joe Morgan did that game of the week on Sunday night, yeah. and he was yeah. bi- he, he wasn't biased, and he. He presented the game the way it was supposed to, be, and he knew the game. He loved the game, and he was a great player. It, it, it's hard to imagine anybody uh, a better. I think he's to me, arguably the the, the best second plate uh, second baseman of all time. Um, you make that yeah. case even with the Robbie Alomar and people like that, but uh, you know. Anyway, uh, we're gonna get into that. I, I know you're you're short on time. I'm gonna get in that. With T, but uh, obviously, uh, rest in peace to Joe Morgan. We're gonna get into that with with T in a minute. Um, but I had a conversation with someone 
uh, uh, prior to this interview, uh, Hoob, about LeBron. Okay, so the Lakers won. And big ups, you, and you're an NBA guy, you know. Big ups to the NBA getting it right with the bubble. Like, no less question. infectious and all that. They got it right. They got it right. And so um, some people said it was an asterisk because he won and all this. And then and then they they quit who to send LeBron to Jordan. Well, you know, Jordan this and that, and he's not the greatest Laker. They pick on this guy. All he did is win another title. I get yeah, I all the, the losses. I get the losses, but but who they quick to, to criticize he got another MV. What's the difference? All the teams are in the same bubble. So there's no disadvantage or advantage. Everybody playing in the same bubble. It's a title. He won a championship. Let it be what it be. That's the yeah, problem. I, I, well, well, you, you know, I'm not a LeBron fan like that, but I'm going to be real with it. I mean, let the man go. He ain't bothering nobody. It's just, I, mean, it, it, I mean, he's not the greatest player, because he, he, and he's not, but it doesn't take away from his greatness. Uh, my, my only fault that, that, that I've had with him was a lot of times – he he tries to match up with a guy that's a one talent, and I'm like, you know, I get I get the greatness of, but I'm like, I I don't like the pairing up stuff. I, I rather I, I guess maybe that's the old school in me where guys just try to develop their players and make each other better. You know what I mean? Now now if your team happens to uh, draft a James Worthy because you're stunk and you had a first round first pick, and then and uh uh, uh in like the former owner with the Cleveland Cavaliers lost his mind, and I think it was with a Jim Jones, a Magic Johnson type trade when it was a Cleveland. I'm going way back. Can't remember how Magic got to the Lakers, but hey, that wasn't their fault. It was through that was a shrewd um, dealing with Jerry West and and, and Jack Hamm Cook and, and them boys. But I mean, let the man go, man. I mean, you know what I mean? He he ain't trying to uh, hurt your children and, and do anything stupid. Man, just just let, let it go. He, he wanted to have that let it go. You know, it's over. Right, and then but the, the, you you mentioned though you know with the whole you know all of that and and the championships, uh, who but is he being critically compared to Jordan and and being critical people being critical because of his voice his social voice his racial voice like Laura Ingram you know who she is Laura Ingram told him to just shut up and play basketball yeah, just yeah, dribble the yeah, ball yeah, 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 is that the problem? Yeah, she said shut up and dribble, but. No, I, right. I, I think I think to be honest with you, I think the ratings tank because the ratings are tank. And, and and I'll say this, though I'm 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 saying from a pure standpoint, the the talent level in the NBA is horrible. I, I'm now I'm not talking about I'm not talking about individual guys, but the guys that can play the the, the misuse of the world and the poor things and the, the guys that that can play. But it it just seems weird that like no team. You know, real young team because excels. Now, I Miami got through it through matchups and through great coaching, but they were overmatched against the Lakers. It wasn't even a fun. It wasn't even a fun look at. I mean, I'm just just being honest with you. It wasn't a fun look at. With Boston, I gave them a better a better run. Yeah, but Boston couldn't beat Miami. So, so the matchups were kind of weird. The Clippers went to bed because when they were three one, they were already scouting the plan to play the Lakers. But you know, it didn't happen because they overlooked an opponent out right in front of them. And uh, they got horsewhip, so it, it just got weird. But if you look at the look at the NBA now, and look at and and, and, and I'm not a, I'm not I say old school. I'm not an old school guy. Like get off my lawn. Look at me. I I I love the talent that's in the NBA. 
but team-wise, because these guys are, are accelerated through AAU, right? They're not really fully developed emotionally, maturely, or even physically in a lot of ways. LeBron was because he, he learned the game a different way. But these guys are accelerated. They told how great they are. They go into the, they go to high, go through high school. They they want them done, and you know they want them done. They come out of out of the college at 18, 19 years old, and they can't play the game. But they're over, but they're thrust into certain situations where you know they're the greatest. And, and when it comes down to actual basketball stuff, they're not any good. And and, and uh, so, so I had a, I had a debate with my, my former literary agent, Chris Benton, good guy, and um. I was telling them, I said, to be honest with you, if the Detroit Pistons, the ones that beat Jordan, Bird, and Magic were playing in this era, Golden State wouldn't have been doing what they did. Because all you had to do was put Draymond on um, Kevin Durant. If, if, Kev, if, if Draymond was given Worthy and Bird fit, I'm sorry, and I'm a KD fan big time, and please, he, that would have been a problem for him. And who was Draymond Green going to guard? And now, okay, you give me the Splash Brothers, I, 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 I'm with it, but Dumas and Isaiah were killers. I mean, they may have been shorter than those two, but, I mean, Isaiah Thomas was an absolute killer. Those teams would, would have cracked this, uh, these teams out. The old Dallas Mavericks with uh, Aguirre, Harper, Blackman, uh, uh, Roy Topley, I think it was James Donaldson, that big, the big boy there. And Douglas Shrimp or come off the bench. They they please. The only thing that beat them was the Lakers. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this then. with George Gervin and Alice Gilmore and the boys. I mean, the teams back then were so ferocious and they scored more points shooting less threes. So if you let look me at athletically, the, the players now are just on another level. I mean it's just not, I mean, even shooting the three, but you mean tell me and I'm gonna throw a name at you, but I'm going real old school. You mean tell me Lou Hudson who used to shoot in a gym in the dark, you think he couldn't? You think he wouldn't average twenty points and uh, over twenty points shooting threes here? Or how about downtown? But let me, they call them downtown but for let a me, reason. But but who? Let me ask, let me ask you two questions. I'm gonna go to T because um, you know we're in the same ballpark. You know age and all that. Um, two questions. Number one is LeBron great, and number two, um, are you saying that? Um, this era of players couldn't have a dynasty. And if you're saying that, then LeBron and them won't win next year or, or anything like that with Anthony Davis and, and everything else. Because really, it's, it's the old adage about coaches to say, hey, we may have a horrible schedule, but we beat who's in front of us. LeBron beat who was in front of us. He has nothing to do with the Clippers not making the finals. They okay. beat who was in there in front of them. Yeah, and listen, he, he didn't play for Denver, and he didn't play for the Clippers, so it's not his fault. I just look at the whole thing about basketball. Though. I mean, I, again, I enjoy I, I watch the games, but then I'm, I'm be honest with you, there are times when I know, like, I give an example. If a team is up by 20, no, okay, let me, let me, let me ask you a first question. LeBron's great, all-time great. I, I, I'm not going to deny that at all. Okay. You I mean, can't. Because um, the way he can even put – Put put teams together, basically himself as a GM. He's all he's all time great. Um, and I really believe I really think outside of basketball, when he if he goes into front office, it's a, or not ownership, he's gonna be a great GM as well. Because Jordan couldn't do that, save his life. I mean, like the players he picked off off around it. So that, that's the weirdest part about that. Um, uh, but there, I I just think that something 
that's fundamentally missing with it, with it, with the uh, the players of, of, of this kind of thing. But again, it's almost like taking a turkey out the oven after you cook it for two after you cook it for two hours instead of five hours. And and I really believe that coaches almost have to simplify. I, I don't I don't want to use the word dummy down because that's kind of degrading. But they got to really simplify the way they do things uh, as far as development wise. Because I mean, okay, think about this. The Knicks right now. Now think about this idea. This is unheard of. The Knicks right now have hired three development gurus to help their team. Three. One 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 out of Utah. No, two out of Utah. Well, no, well, two. Well, two. I'm sorry. One out of Kentucky and one out of Utah. They, they and they hired development gurus. And then of course, um, Thibodeau was really a development coach. So you can say three. And, 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 so they're not even trying to get the Knicks to win. Development, it, it, which is scary, and, and this is why when you look at football, because you got to be in the league, you got to play in college, got to play college three years. You know, you there uh, a lot of times they're a lot more uh, physically, uh, mentally ready to play uh, that particular position, and, and sometimes that's a challenge. But you talking about these guys playing what thirty games and 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 going to school for half a semester, if that much. And then and then you put them into a grown man sport, and everybody's not built like LeBron. You know what I mean? Everybody's not built like Moses Malone or Dow Dawkins or even Bill Willoughby. Right, but again, pro, uh, you know, again, <laughs> but again, who would who who would all due respect? Larry Holmes got the same kind of criticism. They he they it, he beat everybody in front of him. He can't help it was great. It wasn't great heavyweights around. He beat who he needed to beat. Well, he beat be, he be Ali, but Ali was, was well done past his prime. Okay, so, but mean, that's like, Ali, he, he but, 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 who, but I'm not talking about Ali. We know Ali was I mean, at, no, at, well, at the well, end well, of the road. Well, well, I'm well, saying he well, beat everybody. Okay, no, okay that's, well, that's a heavyweight. You asked me two different questions. If you're looking at a golden age when teams were great, that's one thing. Teams aren't great like that. So I mean that's a fact. When Larry Holmes was, was and I was, I'm a big Larry Holmes fan, but when Larry Holmes was, was was doing was doing what he did, the 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 matter of fact, I was talking to somebody about the other day, the Ken Nortons, the Ali's, the Joe Frazier's, the Ernie Shavers's, the Michael Dokes, uh, Dokes right. in the world, uh, those guys were gone. The, uh, right, but he, so so how do you blame uh, how do you blame Larry? It's not about blaming anybody, but you're talking about all time great. No, but but I'm saying the analogy. Right, but right, but the analogy is that LeBron. Right, but LeBron and the Lakers beat whoever, or he beat whoever is in front of him. He can't help the Clippers if the Clippers lose. He won, but he had to get a great player to play with him. He won. He won. He has. He has a massive amount of trade. He a great, so great oh, so him. we didn't. So we don't see no, no, Michael no, no, Jordan no. and Scotty. We don't see oh, no, okay, Isaiah okay, and okay, Dumar. Okay, 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 okay. I mean, really? Scotty was not an all-time great player. He made it through because of Michael. Scottie, is he? Is he? Uh, is he considered? Scottie, is he in the Hall of Fame? Scottie is he in the basketball Hall of Fame? Scotty. Scotty is not. If if Scotty didn't play with Michael, if Scotty didn't play with Michael, and, and I'm a Scotty fan. If Sky did not play with Michael, he would not be close to a Dugger Hall of Fame player. But no, you're making my point. Of... You're making my point. Who no, listen no, no, to no, me? No, no, no. no, listen for a second. So Michael Jordan is LeBron. Anthony Davis is Scotty. You got a great and a top five. What is? What are you talking about? You got a great okay, well, okay, and a top five. You know what? I'll say this too. With my uh, respect to Michael, 
I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and in all fairness, my, in all fairness, in all fairness, Michael didn't play, or he didn't win when Larry and and Bird were going at it. He he didn't win when Detroit was strong. The, the, the reason why I think he hates Isaiah so much because he couldn't beat him. He Isaiah, Isaiah, I mean Isaiah ain't cheat no more than nobody else did. Stop it. I mean, if you hate the man because he walked up the court, then, then, then shake your hand. I mean, you know, you, you, you're more of a baby than I thought you were. 